we began a, a series a couple weeks ago taught, called Made for Mission. And we said uh, last time we were here that every one of us is made for mission. We have been called by God to live on mission with him. If you are a believer this morning, if you're saved this morning, then you have been called by God to live your life on mission with him. And we, we said last week that there are a couple of things that we can do with that calling that God has placed on our life. We can choose to completely ignore the mission that God has called us for. And too many Christians do that. We just completely and totally ignore what God has called us to do. And we, we make up excuses like that's for the full-time Christian workers. That's for the missionaries and the pastors. And that's for those people, not for me. Or we can choose to occasionally live on mission for God every once in a while, accidentally live out our life on purpose uh, for God, but only for a short time before usually we get distracted by the things of life. Or we can actively pursue living our life focused on the mission that God has made us for. And it's, it's easy to find the mission God has for you. God does not hide what he wants you to do. God is not like, I've got this great thing I want you to do. It's going to help fulfill the mission of getting the gospel to the world. But it's like a treasure hunt. It's like, he's good. you got to find it. You know, it's like, a, 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 you got to sneak here and look here and kind of peek at it. And may, maybe if you're lucky, you'll find it. Oh, you're getting hot. You're getting hot. Oh, you're really cold. No, if you go to God and honestly, with an open heart, say, God, what do you want me to do to live on mission for you? God will reveal it to you. See, God, God doesn't hide these things from us. What do you think he does? That's what I say. If you go to God and say, God, what would you have me to give towards faith promise missions? He'll tell you. God, who would you have me to invite on Invite Your One? He'll tell you. God, what would you have me to do with my life to live on mission for you? He will tell you. The problem is we don't honestly and openly do that because we're afraid God's going to say, great, I need you to go to South Africa and preach the gospel. He may. But probably he's going to say, I, I just want you to walk with me. I just want you to raise your family and teach you. I want you to, to witness to your neighbors and your co-workers. I want you to live your life on mission with me. God wants us to live our life for what he has made us for in the first place. And that's the goal of these several weeks we're going to be looking at on mission. That we would literally live our lives on mission with the mission God has made us for. And so we saw last week, the main point is we are all called. Every one of us is called to live on mission for God if we're a follower of Jesus Christ. Ministry is not just for a select few Jesus followers. It's for every follower of God. And if that's the case, it brings us to the next obvious question. If we're all called to live on mission, then why are we not living on mission for God? If every believer is called then why is not every believer living on mission for God? That's what we're going to look at this morning. So if you've got a Bible, turn to Luke chapter number 9. <coughs> Starting in verse number 5. The Bible says, And it came to pass, when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Jesus Christ came to earth on a mission. 
He didn't come down here to visit and see how things were going. He didn't come down to, to show us how to live a good life. He came down on mission to save the, the, the mankind, to pay for the sin debt of all humanity. He had a purpose. He had a goal. And the, the, from the day he got here, he was walking towards that goal. He set out to lay his life down for the salvation of mankind. He came to give his life a ransom for many. Mark chapter 10 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came on the mission to give his life, to die on the cross, to be buried in the grave and rise three days later to redeem mankind to God, to pay the sin debt and give every person the opportunity to accept Christ as their Savior. That's what his mission was. And he steadfastly set his face towards that and walked towards that and never wavered from the mission that God had called him to. He knew where he was headed. He knew why he was going there. He knew what his mission was, and he passionately pursued it. Earlier in Luke chapter 9, Jesus told us that those that would follow him would have to, would, would, uh, that those that followed him, he told them what it would mean. In John chapter, Luke chapter 9, verse 23, he says, he said to them, all, if any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus was clear that following him on mission would mean we would have to do the same things he did on his mission. Followers of Jesus would have to be willing to lay their life down on a daily basis for the sake of others getting saved. Now, Jesus wasn't talking about dying for others. He wasn't saying, if you're going to live, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to give up your life and die so that others can be saved. The only person who could die to save mankind was Jesus Christ. He, but what he was talking about was laying aside our desires, our dreams, our pursuits, our cares, our worries, laying aside everything that we want and we desire and we care about. And we were laying aside all of that to follow him, to live on mission for him. It is not a one-time event. It's not something we do where we come to an altar one day, say, Lord, I'm going to live my life for you. I'm going to give myself for you and then go out and do whatever we want to do. It is something we have to every day declare, God, I'm going to live for you today. I'm going to live on mission with you today. Our mission is bigger than us. It is part of a worldwide movement that Jesus began when he became man and dwelt among us. So this morning, in this building and churches all over the world, there are two groups of people in here. There's a group, you're believers, you're saved, you know you're going to heaven, you're a follower of Christ, but the mission isn't for you. The mission's for other people. The mission's for people who've been saved longer. It's for people who have been trained better. It's for people that have more time than you. It's for people that have more money than you. And here's the thing you need to understand. When you got saved, God wasn't inviting you to come to church on Sundays. He wasn't inviting you to, to give some money in the offering plate when it came by each week. He was inviting you to join him on mission. 
He was inviting you to help him get the gospel to the world. And the mission he is on is bigger than anything you could ever imagine. It is bigger than anything you could ever hope to achieve with your life. And it's a mission that is already at work in the world and in our community today. But then there's the other group. There's a group that they understand that God's mission is their mission. They understand that God's called them to live out their life on mission for him, to to get the gospel to the world, to, to sacrifice so that others can hear the gospel. And we understand that, but we have a hard time leaving that out. You believe your primary mission is to join God in what he is doing, but the the way you live your life says something different. And that's, that's the majority of us in here, myself included. We know what God's called us to do, but the way we live our life doesn't show we really believe that he's called us to do it. The problem isn't your desire. The problem isn't your passion. The problem is we get very easily distracted. We are very easily distracted from our mission. One of the enemy's greatest weapons is distraction. He knows that with a a little bit of effort, he can get us distracted from the mission God's called us to. I'll prove it. If you have a cell phone, I want you to take it out. It's okay. Take your cell phone out. Everybody got your cell phone? All right. 55% of cell phone users text while driving. And that is six times more dangerous than drunk driving. And we know it, but we still do it. 84% of cell phone users, they say they can't go a single day without having their cell phone in their hand. 50% of teenagers admit to being addicted to their cell phones. They say that their cell phone is something that they cannot live without. Here's the ultimate way to prove it. And to be honest here, we're not going to judge you publicly. But how many of you, after I told you to take your cell phone out, checked your cell phone? Come on, be honest. I did. I got a text. I was like, oh, somebody texted me. It was Parker, but I can't check my text up here. We are very easily distracted. A recent LifeWay survey showed that 80% of believers said they believe they have a personal responsibility to share their faith. And that's great. But the same study showed that only 40% of those that said they believe that have actually shared their faith in the last year. So 80% of believers say, hey, we got to share our faith. But only 40% of those have actually done it. Why? Because the other 60% are bad people? No. We just get distracted. We get distracted in what God's called us to do. So the majority of us, we know what the mission is. We know how important it is. But we don't let that impact our lives in really any way. And that's what we're talking about this morning. So look in your Bibles in Luke chapter 9, verse number 57. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. The Bible says, And it came to pass... That as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. 
But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And to another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go and bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. In these verses, Jesus tells us of three missions that we can be on that will distract us from the mission that God has called us to live on. That's what we're going to look at. So what are those missions of distraction? Here's the first one. The mission of comfort. The mission of comfort. Of course, in verse 57, a guy comes to Jesus and says, Hey, Jesus, I will, I will follow you wherever you want to go. And Jesus looks at him and says, That's great, but foxes have holes and birds have nests, and, but I have nowhere to lay my head. So the, the guy walks up to Jesus and said he's, he's willing to follow Jesus wherever he goes. And Jesus' response is an interesting one. He doesn't, he doesn't thank the man for his willingness. He doesn't encourage him or anything. He says, You want to follow me? Great, but you're going to be homeless. And the... The implication is, we don't know what the man responded, but the implication is he decided not to follow. You can follow me, but it's going it's to take you out of your comfort zone. And he wasn't willing to do that. He was totally into following Jesus as long as it wasn't uncomfortable. The only problem is that Jesus doesn't pull his followers out of their comfort zones. He destroys our comfort zones. He says, you're going to follow me it's going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to ask you to do some things that you never imagined you could do because when we do them, we do in the power of God and God gets glory because it's something we can never have done ourselves. And Jesus says, hey, you want to follow me? Great. But it's, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. You're going to have a rough time following me. Look at the things that Jesus asked his disciples to do. He sent them out for weeks at a time and said, don't take any money. Don't take any food. Don't take a change of clothes. See you in a month. Who, does, who says, hey, you're going to go on a, a month-long business trip, but don't take anything with you? That's kind of uncomfortable to walk into a city to preach the gospel and just hope somebody decides to feed you or give you some money to buy a Happy Meal or something. Jesus asks us to be uncomfortable. Ultimately, Jesus would model this comfortlessness life when he was tortured and suffered and died and had incredible pain as he died for us on the cross. Here's the thing. The times that you grow most in your relationship with God is the times that you are, are uncomfortable. The times that he has asked you to do things you don't think you can accomplish. But the problem is our world is obsessed with comfort. Check out some of these popular items that we have for our comfort. This is a hoodie that has a built-in pillow. Hoodies are the most comfortable cl clothing article you can wear. They are incredible. They're snuggly, they're warm. If you want to cover yourself, you can. And this guy says, you know what we could do to make this even more comfortable? Put a pillow in it. So you can take a nap wherever you want to take a nap. The guys that came up with this, they, they had a Kickstarter campaign. Kickstarter campaigns are, are entrepreneurs who come up with ideas like pillows and hoodies and snugglies. They, they try to raise money from the, from the public to get their, their campaign started. And these guys, they were trying to raise $30,000 in six months to get their project going. 
they raised $322,915 in two weeks. Why? Because we want hoodies with pillows in them. Because we want to take the most comfortable thing in the world and make it even more comfortable. Or how about this one? This is an alarm clock that makes coffee for you. Doesn't wake you up with burp, burp, burp. Wakes you up with the delicious aroma of coffee. Even as a place for cream and sugar. How many of y'all want this? It's like 500 bucks. But it's worth it. So I want this. I mean, that would be awesome to wake up instead of my, my phone going, blah, 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 just like, oh, oh, coffee. You know what would be even better? If it would make bacon for you, too. <laughs> if that thing made bacon and coffee, woo-hoo, I don't care what it is, I'm getting one. Why? Because it would be awesome to wake up and have coffee and bacon ready for you, right by your bed. You know why we like these things? Because we like comfort. There are thousands of products that are out there to simply make our lives more comfortable. How many of y'all have ever used a service like Uber Eats or uh, DoorDash or these other things that deliver food? Anybody use them? I've used them. Y'all need to use them. They're great. Me and April, a couple weeks ago, we had Wendy's delivered to our door. Why? Because I didn't want to go to Wendy's, but I wanted Wendy's. And I checked DoorDash, and it was free delivery. And I'm like, I can get Wendy's. I don't even got to get out of my pajamas. And I can have Wendy's in 20 minutes. Heck yes. You know why they're successful? Because we like comfort. We like ease. We like things that make our life easier. But what happens when the mission of comfort conflicts with the mission of Christ? Jesus says it's better to count the cost before following him because following Jesus, being on mission for Jesus, is going to be uncomfortable. But there's a second mission that can distract us. It's the mission of comfort. Second is the mission of commitments. Look at verse 59. And he said to another, follow me. Now, this guy didn't come to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'll follow you. Jesus saw him and said, hey, you, follow me. Kind of like he did with, with Matthew and Peter and all them other. He goes, hey, you follow me. And so this guy, his response, he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. So Jesus Turns to another guy and says, hey, follow me. I'll follow you, Jesus, but first let me go bury my dad. And that doesn't seem like an unreasonable request. But Jesus looks at him and says, let the dead bury their dead. You go preach the gospel. Kind of a harsh response. I mean, someone come to me and said, hey, I'd, I'd, love, I'd love to help in the church, but first got to get through my dad's funeral. I'm going to say, oh, you let somebody else do it. Let the dead bury your dad and you do this. No, that's a harsh response. But the thing is, I, I picture when I see this, I picture a dad on his deathbed, and Jesus tells the son, let him die by himself, and you, you follow me. But think about it for a moment. If the father had already died, the son would have been occupied with the burial. During this time, someone died. They got them in the grave very, very quickly. They were afraid of disease and, and decomposition. So if someone died, they got them in the, the, the burial was very, very quick. And Jewish tradition uh, dictated that after the death, one of the family members, usually the son, had to stay with the body until the burial. So if his dad had, was dead, he wouldn't even be here. He'd be occupied with the funeral. So maybe the dad's sick. 
Maybe it's like my dad's sick or my dad's old and I don't want to leave my dad and I, I, got, I want to take care of my dad before this happens. And so as a son, it would have been, it was obvious that he wanted to do that, but he wanted to wait for his father's death, which may have taken years. And Jesus is clearly conveying the urgency of the mission he's called us to. Because look, if he goes on mission and his dad dies next week, you know what? He can come back next week and have the funeral. But for a week, he was living on mission for God. It's not something that we do when our schedule has some breathing room in it. Instead, it becomes our priority immediately. So there's two words that the man said, but he says them out of order and it makes all the difference. He said, Lord, suffer me first. He goes, God, I will, but first. He should have said, there wasn't anything wrong with wanting to take care of his father, but he made that a priority over following Jesus. He should have said, first I'll follow you, Lord. Whatever you're calling me to do, I will do that first. It's not, as, it's not just being for the sake of being obedient. It's also for the sake of our own blessing. Remember in the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus preaching, he goes, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus promises if we place his kingdom and his mission first in our lives, he'll take care of all the other things we stress about and worry about. Is there anything in your life that you've told Jesus, yes, but first? I'll serve you, but, but first, let me get through this busy season. I'll give, but first, let me get that promotion and that raise. I'll share my faith, but first, let me get more comfortable in my own walk with God. I'll spend time reading my Bible in the morning, but first, let me catch up on my sleep and hit that snooze button a few times. The things we put first are not always bad, but Jesus tells us his mission must come first. We have the mission of comfort, the mission of commitments. And thirdly, we have the mission of competition. Look at verse 61. And another, <clears throat> and another said, also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go and bid them farewell, which are at my home in my house. Jesus said unto him, no man, having put his hand to the plow... Looking back, it's fit for the kingdom of God. So another guy approaches because Jesus, I'll follow you, but first let me go home and tell everybody that I'm doing it. First let me go home and say goodbye to my wife and kids. First let me go tell them where. And look, this is not an unreasonable request. This was before cell phone. This was before he couldn't call his wife and say, and, and look, if, if a guy I don't know says, I want you to go to a mission trip with me, for me not to go to April and say, hey, there's this strange guy that's going to mission, I'm going to go. Just let you know where I'm going. That's irresponsible of me because she's going to be sitting home worrying. And this guy, he couldn't send a text and say, hey, hon, home later, following Jesus. He couldn't post on Facebook, you know, hashtag following God. He couldn't do any. So his people at home have no idea what's going to happen, what's happened to him. He can disappear and they think, oh, well, I guess he's dead. Just engines got him. Well, there are no engines here, but, you know, just somebody got him. He's gone. So to me, it's not irresponsible to say, hey, Jesus, I'll follow you. Just let me, let, let, me let, let my wife know what I'm doing. Let me let my kids know what I'm doing. But Jesus says, you can't, you can't say you're going to follow me and then look back. You're not even fit for the kingdom of God. Once again, a seemingly harsh response from Jesus. Notice, once again, this man, he had the same disorganized words. Lord, I will follow thee, but first. I'll obey God, but first. I've got to do what I want to do. There's absolutely, absolutely nothing wrong with telling your family what you're doing. 
But in the same sentence, he's informing Jesus, I'll follow you, but then he's giving God a command. Jesus, I'm going to follow you, but first I've got to go home and tell people, otherwise I can't go. Otherwise I won't obey you. He could have said, Jesus, I will follow you. Would it be all right if you let me go home and tell my family goodbye? Jesus probably would have said yes. Instead, he tries to make a deal with Jesus. He places a condition on his willingness to follow. We've never done that, have we? Lord, I'll follow you if you give me what I want. Lord, I'll give if you do this. Lord, I'll go if you do this. The word but completely impacts whatever we said before. Think about it. I'm pregnant, but I'm not keeping it. It's a boy, but I wanted a girl. I love you, but I'm leaving you. I'm all in, but I don't want to be inconvenienced. I'll follow you, but only if it doesn't cost me too much. Only if I don't have to take too long or only if it doesn't make me too uncomfortable. The mission that God has called us to is a reward and giving up our missions for his mission is, has nothing to regret. He wants us to follow his calling with confidence and joy and not look back in uncertainty and anxiety. Paul said it this way, he goes, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There are a lot of things in our lives that are competing with God's mission for our lives. Making money. Being successful. Having everything you want. Staying healthy. Raising good, making sure your kids turn out good. And many of these things are great. But they compete with walking with God on his mission. They are buts that need to go. I'll follow, but we got to get rid of that but. We have to say, I'll follow regardless. Last week we learned that if you're a follower of Jesus, then you are called by him to live on mission for him. That may mean you don't get to do what you plan to do with your life. It may mean you don't get to do what you hoped to do with your talents. It may mean you don't get to do what you wanted to do with your finances. It does mean that we walk with Jesus. We follow him wherever he leads, no matter where that might be. We must intentionally and resolutely follow Jesus on his mission above everything else. Jesus walked on his mission, and he invites us to follow him on that mission. Jesus is not about creating a following. He is about making followers. But simply saying that you'll do it is not enough. Will you lay down your comforts? Will you lay down your other commitments and the things that compete for your time, your treasure, your talents, and decide to follow Jesus no matter what? Ask yourself a few questions this morning. God, do I have any distracting missions in my life? God, is there anything in my life today that is distracting me from following you that needs to die today? Are there any comforts I have that I've made more important than you? Are there any commitments that I've put before following you? Is there anything competing for my focus of walking 
on mission for you. If we can answer yes to any of those questions, we need to refocus our life and live on mission for him, not for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.